morning, PT. I am so happy to be here. Bishop, thank you for the opportunity to speak on your 28th pastoral anniversary. Under your leadership, we've grown from being a church in Cambridge to being PT Global. We have connections all over the world, including Romania, where you just came home from. Bishop has been a good steward of what he received. And God bless him to continue to be a good steward for years to come. Uh, so my sermon today is about the youth's inheritance. Could I get a uh, next slide, please? Thank you. Um, so I recently got my driver's license and a f And a funny thing happened. I cleaned the family car. No, no, I cleaned the family car. Now, before this, I might care if the car was dirty, if I had friends in it, but whatever, it wasn't mine. But when I got my driver's license, suddenly, I cared. I saw that if I was driving this car around, I wanted it to be spotless. So I took out all my old junk, vacuumed it, made it look real nice, took out the floor mats, slapped them against the wall, get all the dust off, right? I was invested in how the car looked. Now, I don't own this car. My dad made that very clear. I just became a manager of a car. The same way that Red Sox managers do not own the team, I do not own this car. So what do managers do? They look after things. They keep them from falling apart. Managers are not owners, we are overseers. We are supposed to keep watch over. We are trusted to properly manage someone else's property. Now church, I want you to imagine something. What if you walked into church today and there were candy wrappers stuffed in the seats or cans of soda lying around? Would you think differently about who was running this place? What if the pews were broken up and the stained glass windows were taken out? What if someone had taken all the valuables in this church and sold it for themselves? That is what happens in my first story from Mark 12. Next slide, please. Uh, this, Mark 12, the story about a vineyard. Then Jesus started telling them stories. A man planted a vineyard. He fenced it, dug a wine press, erected a watchtower, turned it over to the farmhands, and went off on a trip. At the time for harvest, he sent a servant back to the farmhands to collect his profits. They grabbed him, beat him up, and sent him off empty-handed. So he sent another servant. That one they tarred and feathered. He sent another, and that one they killed. And on and on, many others. Some they beat up, some they killed. Finally, there was only one left, a beloved son. In a last-ditch effort, he sent him, thinking, surely, they will respect my son. But those farmhands saw their chance. They rubbed their hands together in greed and said, this is the heir. Let's kill him and have it all for ourselves. They grabbed him, killed him, and threw him over the fence. What do you think the owner of the vineyard will do? Right. He'll come and get rid of everyone. Then he'll assign the care of the vineyard to others. Read it for yourself in scripture. The stone that the masons threw out is now the cornerstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes. We can hardly believe it. The first thing I see about these managers is they are terrible at their jobs. 
they're terrible at their job. If your gardener came at you with the came at your kids with the lawn shears, you think, man, I cannot trust Craigslist anymore, right? <laughs> You'd have to evaluate some things, right? So why are they doing this? They believe they're the rightful owners because they worked the land. They believe it should be theirs, but it is not. The land belongs to the father, and eventually it will belong to the son. At no point will the farmhands own it. It is just under their supervision. If I manage the car poorly, I will lose my privilege to use it. The farmhands are going to lose their jobs. Why? Because they didn't do their jobs, right? Now, their greed caused them to kill and destroy. If they had just properly served him, they would have kept their jobs and reaped their reward. They would have gotten a part of the harvest. But they killed and destroyed. And this is a warning to us. We are the manager of a vineyard. We are. The vineyard is called earth. Right? We can't trick ourselves into thinking that the earth is ours to own. We did not plant it. We did not make the rivers. We did not make the mountains. We did not create the birds and all the glory, right? It is not ours. It has been and always will be God's earth first. We were hired to take care of this vineyard. But instead, we want to store up everything it has for ourselves. You know what God calls people who do that? Fools. Here's my second scripture. Uh, oh, it's, it's, uh, there we go. Oops, cool. Uh, the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The grounds of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take easy, take life easy, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. First, notice, this is not a man who already has money. It says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He has not received a cent yet. And Jesus is calling him out about his greed. Jesus is calling him out about his greed while he's waiting for the check to clear. He's refreshing his bank account, waiting for the wire, right? And yet Jesus is talking about a rich fool living in excess, right? He's talking to a guy with his shoes and his shirt. That's all he got. Jesus is warning him about his intentions because Jesus sees his heart, right? Jesus tells him life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Wow. Consist in. Jesus is telling him, in all the money or property or good things owed to you, well, life is not found there. Life is not found in the fanciness of your car or in the size of your house. Life is not found in the storing of your excess grain and living for yourself. Jesus is trying to get this guy to not be greedy 
like that rich fool. I love verse 20 of this parable so much. If we could please uh, go back to the last slide of the Luke verse. Thank you. Then who? Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Who? God is calling the rich fool to think outside of himself. This whole parable, all the fool does is think in the first person. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. In fact, the only time, the only time the man uses the second person pronoun is when he is talking to his future self in his head. He is so focused inward with his success, right, that the only person he plans to or thinks he could even share his success with is himself. This is how little the rich fool is thinking about the well-being of others. There's no one he can imagine sharing a bushel of wheat with. Just like the rich fool, we live in a culture of competitive consumption. And the idea that our worth is derived from what we buy or what we wear or where we live. This culture of consumption comes at a cost. When we're so greedy that we store up things we don't need, we fool ourselves into believing that we own the world and can do whatever we want with it. God warns against this hubris many, many times in the Bible. Here's my third scripture. Numbers 35, 33 through 34. Do not pollute the land where you are. Bloodshed pollutes the land. An atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed, except by the blood of the one who shed it. Do not defile the land where you live and I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the Israelites. Back in this time, the idea of defiling land was ceremonial uncleanliness. Now it is literal pollution. In our waters, there's the great Pacific garbage patch. It covers 1.6 million, million square kilometers, an area twice the size of Texas. That's just plastic and waste which we have created. That, that, is that good stewardship? If every single one of these pews had uh, Lay's bags laid all over it, or a plat, like, come on. Due to greenhouse gas emissions, the Earth's temperature is increasing. If things don't change, according to NASA, 61 million more people in cities will be exposed to a severe drought and up to 270 million more people will face water scarcity by 2050. Now church, what does it say about us that we're letting this happen on our watch, under our stewardship? What is it saying to the next generation? We have to watch how we're treating this earth because we're acting like it's ours. But the earth, just like our money and our time, are all God's. We cannot make ourselves rich in our own eyes by stealing, profiteering, and defiling God's vineyard. We have to focus on being rich in the eyes of God. So what does that look like? Uh, My fourth and final scripture. uh, Mark 12, 41 through 44, the widow's offering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and watched crowds putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, 
But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. It can feel like when dealing with an issue as big as climate change or pollution, that your individual contribution does not matter. That is a lie from the devil. That is a lie from the devil, and God will make it fail, right? God cares. God cares. It's about giving what you have and doing what you can. For the older generation, I ask you this. What are you leaving for us to inherit? What are you leaving for your kids, your nieces and your nephews, or your grandchildren? The younger generation, I ask you, what can you give now? Even if you think what you have to offer is small, how can you help change the world? PT, we have an abundance, an abundance of brilliant and capable people in this church. We have amazing, amazing parents and aunties and uncles who are rich in talent from the Lord. As a church, as a church, we cannot be like the rich fool, closed off, focused only on ourselves, focused on living easy. We have not, and we will not. That's not what this church is. This, is a, this place is a home for the homeless, a refuge for the restless, a church whose mission is restoring broken lives. We restored this building. I remember walking by every day Right? At, like every single Sunday, I'd see the scaffolding outside. And now look at the sides of our church. It's beautiful. We are still restoring this church with the basement. And we have created a place for our Sunday schoolers to go. We are taking care of our generation in here. But we need to take care of the generation as a whole. It's not just about PT. We are PT Global. It's not just about this church. It's about the generation. We need restorative justice and to work towards restoring the earth so we have something for the next generation to inherit and steward well. Now I'll close with this. Here are the four things I'm asking you to take away from what I have to say. Number one, recognize. Recognize when you're acting like the world is yours to own and not yours to manage. That can be the earth, that can be your time, that can be your talent. It is all God's. It's all God's. We do not have the final say. We're the manager. The manager doesn't get to decide the roster, right? Two, reflect. Reflect in what areas of your life are you being like the rich fool? Where am I being stingy? Where can I give more? Three, work. Work to heal the land. Work to heal the next generation. And four, offer what you have in faith. Offer what you have in faith that God will make it abundant. Do not despise small beginnings, church. You, you just have to give what you have, and no matter how small it can feel or seem, it's about trusting that God will take what you have and do more with it than you could ever imagine. Thank you.
Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Let's give it up for Caleb. Come on. Come on, y'all. Didn't he just knock it out of the park? Yeah. Yeah. God bless you, Caleb. You know, uh, as Bishop said, I've now graduated college. I'm 20, almost 21. <laughs> and I grew up alongside guys like Caleb, Evan, Ezra, Zach, everyone who's out there. And it's just founding members of Generation Chosen. And it's just amazing to see where we are right now. I feel like a proud big sister. Congratulations and all glory to God. Super proud of you. Well, good morning, PT. Good morning, PT. All right, isn't it great? To, is it still morning? Yes. Is this, isn't it great to be together tomorrow morning, everyone? So as Bishop said, I'm Afani Amuna, and I'm delighted to be here with you all today. So I have to share that I was deeply nervous while preparing for this occasion, as I'm sure you guys can imagine. While I've spoken from this pulpit before, it was to an empty room during the pandemic. So this is a little bit different. Um, but I have to say that I'm so deeply grateful to Bishop for this opportunity. Um, I want to thank you for the honor of allowing me to speak this morning. It's a privilege I don't take lightly. Okay, I also want to thank the media team. I can't see y'all, but I hope you can see me. Um, especially Sanaya and Jeff. I'm so grateful for each of you. Um, you're both incredibly dedicated to serving the Lord in this house. And I believe in taking every opportunity possible to um, just express our gratitude for you. So can we please give them a round of applause as well? Thank you. Woo! Okay. And of course, of course, finally, I want to thank my family for their support of me, my mom and my brother. Um, wait, everybody. <laughs> for their support of me in delivering this message. Um, I'm so thankful for your prayers and for grounding me. Uh, they were patient even when I ran this sermon past them for the first time last night at 9 p.m. <laughs> um, and that's how you know that's true love. So I'm very grateful for you. Thank you, guys. All right. Can we take some time to pray together, PT? Please, thank you. Lord, thank you for the time we have gathering together on Sundays. We don't take this privilege for granted. Lord, I ask that you speak through me this morning. Let my words bring you honor and insight to PT. I ask that you open our ears and prepare our hearts to receive your word. Amen. Amen. So we're here today to recognize Bishop's pastoral anniversary. His anniversary is important because it gives us the opportunity to acknowledge and celebrate his years of service, as well as recognize our experiences, growth, and progress as a church under Bishop's administration. Happy anniversary, Bishop. Thank you for all that you do in service of the Lord. All right, now for the word. We'll be rooted in the first half of John 10. I'm reading from the ESV. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. 
Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then when the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And that's the word of the Lord. Today, I will be speaking with you on the topic of the Good Shepherd. In the Bible, we see a lineage of shepherds. You've got Abraham, Jacob, Moses, and David, just to name a few. But from John 10, of course, we know that the ultimate shepherd is Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. But what is the good shepherd? According to Jesus, in what I'm calling the Afani standard version, the good shepherd has the characteristics of soul. Soul. Selfless, ownership, unifier, and leader. First, the good shepherd is selfless. In John 10, 17 and 18, Jesus says that the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus is talking about the sacrifice he makes for his flock. Do you all realize that he lays his life down only to take it up again once, excuse me, he takes his life up again only to lay it down once more for the benefit of his sheep? We are the sheep, folks. I have a quick question for you, and you can feel free to interact here. Has anyone ever laid down their life for someone else? Okay, <laughs> we're still alive, so that was kind of a trick question. Okay, but would you be willing to? That's the question, and I think you would be, Sister Peggy. I appreciate that. I know for me, the only people I'd be willing to do that for are those two people in the front, my family. <laughs> um, most of us, if we would do such a thing, would only do so for those closest to us. But Jesus, he made the choice to lay down his life for us. Doesn't that reality make you want to do a praise dance? It makes me want to do a praise dance. 
Not only does Jesus lay down his life for us, but he's quite literally commanded by our Father, his Father, to do so. I think we should rejoice daily in the knowledge that Jesus is always selflessly giving to us his flock. Second, the good shepherd takes ownership. John 10, 4 and 5 and verse 14 say, When he, meaning the shepherd, has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. I, meaning Jesus, am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. The good shepherd doesn't just come and go willy-nilly. He takes ownership, he invests in his community. The reason his flock follows him isn't just because he's some random person claiming authority over them. It says the sheep actually run away from strangers. His sheep follow him because they know him, because he's been there with them day in and day out, through the good and through the bad. The sheep know his character, they can even discern his very voice. How many of us know that it's hard to truly get to know someone who's never around? The shepherd has demonstrated his commitment to them and therefore the flock remains loyal to him. And it actually says that the relationship between the flock and the shepherd is the same as the relationship between Jesus and his father. That's what God has for us. Third, the good shepherd is a unifier. John 10:16 says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. The good shepherd brings different communities together. He cannot rest with the existence of division between his flock. Some of you may remember, as Dr. Irvin mentioned last week, the purpose of the church of life in Christ is to unite diverse groups in the Lord. We rejoice in our differences while knowing that our faith and rebirth in Jesus eternally link us. Did you know that in general, shepherds don't work alone actually? They normally work in groups, either looking after one large flock or bringing together their own groups and merging responsibilities. Not only does the good shepherd, Jesus, unify his flock, but he also works with other shepherds, meaning our bishops, pastors, leaders, elders, to look after us, the flock. What a wonderful and thoughtful way for God to show his love for us. And finally, the good shepherd is a leader. John 10, 9 through 12 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Jesus is the door. He literally leads us to salvation, peace, and joy. 
More specifically, Jesus, the good shepherd, is a servant leader. Servant leaders are people who focus primarily on the growth and well-being of the communities to which they belong. They share power, put the needs of others first, and help people develop and perform as highly as possible. Is this not what life in Christ does for us each and every day? His leadership mission, I think, is to ensure that we may have life and have it abundantly. Now, hearkening back to our celebration of Bishop's pastoral anniversary, it is abundantly evident excuse me, that we see these soulful characteristics in Bishop. In his 28-year tenure, Bishop has demonstrated exceptional stewardship, as Caleb was saying, during an international crisis, celebrated black women during a time when the world failed to see us, created a safe space for survivors, established PT's four priorities, and invested in the next generation. Amen. Amen. Week in and week out, we see Bishop fulfill God's promise to us in Jeremiah 3.15, which says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. But I have a question for you, PT. What exactly is a shepherd without his flock? Remember, we are the flock. I want to draw our attention to what we as the flock should be doing in reaction to the, good, the stewardship of our good shepherds. All right, now for another interactive question. Feel free to yell out answers. What do we know is the relationship of the flock to the shepherd? Noah's voice? Okay. Follow him? Okay. Getting closer, getting closer. Pretty good answers, but I'm going to steal one of Bishop's sayings and say, it's not that deep, folks. <laughs> it's not that deep. The flock mimics and emulates the shepherd, right? They follow where he goes and they act as he does. First Thessalonians 5.12 says, Dear brothers and sisters, Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. It's actually a form of honor, respect, and love for Bishop, and more importantly, for Jesus, when we, as the sheep, have soul as well. So what does the flock having soul look like? Us having soul looks like serving and volunteering, both in the house and in our personal lives. It looks like regularly tithing and offering up our earnings to support the community. It looks like representing PT and God well by being kind always, not just when others are watching. As Caleb said, don't be a fool, folks. We should also be engaged with our church community. Yes, it's Bishop's responsibility to lead us, but it's also up to us to seek Bishop's knowledge and understanding, as we just read. Finally, we should be covering our leaders, especially Bishop and Lady Carmen, in prayer. We do all of this not out of obligation, but rather out of joy and thanksgiving for all we have in Christ. 
we are already empowered to strive to be good shepherds in our daily lives, in the workplace, within our families, and in the public sphere. We don't have to have a formal title to demonstrate the characteristics of a good shepherd to others. As Bishop always says, I'm quoting you a lot, but it's because you're a great leader. <laughs> we are thermostats, not thermometers. We set the temperature of the spaces we inhabit, meaning we can and should be selfless leaders who take ownership and unify others. As we go through this month of June, let's each take time to consider, how are you reflecting the Good Shepherd? What sacrifices are you making? Whose voice are you listening to? Are you uniting others? Where are you leading your own flock to? For me, I constantly ask myself these questions as I navigate school, work, and relationships. I know that for every person who inquires about my faith, who appreciates my kindness, or who asks to accompany me to church, I have walked the path of the Good Shepherd. I encourage each of us to create personal indicators like these to ensure our soulful nature. If we really want to honor Bishop on his 28th pastoral anniversary, let's honor him by paying his soulful leadership forward. Amen. Let's pray. This prayer is from the um, book Prayers for Emotional Wholeness by Stormy R. Martian. Dear Lord, I pray that you will help me to not grow weary in well-doing. Keep me from giving up when times of discouragement happen and it seems as if doing the right thing isn't working. Help me to continue on in what I know of you and your ways and not take matters into my own hands and try to do things my own way. Help me to refuse to be discouraged, for I know by faith that there will be a reaping of good things because I have sowed good seed. Amen. Now I'm done for today. I hope that we came away from this sermon with a new imperative for how we will move forward after today. Some of us, however, may be saying, Afani, I want to practice the way of the Good Shepherd, but I don't yet feel connected to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I invite those of you who may be feeling that way to join with me in saying this prayer of acceptance. I ask that everyone please close your eyes and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. You are the good shepherd, and I'm committed to following you. I believe that you died on my behalf in order to cleanse me from my sins. I believe that you arose from the grave to give me a new life. God, you said in the Bible, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. So I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, save me, and make me God's child. Amen. Thank you, PT.
Amen, amen, amen. Thank you very much, Caleb. Thank you very much, Ifani. You have challenged us. And you've shown yourselves to be good stewards of the investment that our pastor, our senior pastor, Bishop Brian, has invested in you. And I call upon each of us, as Ifani said in one of our final words, was if we really, really want to show how much we appreciate Bishop, then we need to be good stewards. We need to be good uh, doers of all that he has taught us so that we can be the Pentecostal Tabernacle, the church, the local church that God has called us to be and God has called him to lead us into. Now at this time, I'm going to call upon the elders to come up along with Lady Carmen and Bishop Brian. Uh, we want to, as you get ready to go and take your three month sabbatical, we want to send you off with blessings. And so Bishop and Lady Carmen, if you could come stand here and you can face the congregation and we will pray for you. Yes, I, I, I brought out the good stuff. <laughs> Amen. Heavenly Father, good leadership is a blessing of the Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that for the last 28 years of good leadership through Bishop Brian Green and also through his wife, Elder Lady Carmen. Now, Father, as he is about to endeavor on his very first sabbatical. Lord, I pray that your word, your Holy Spirit, Father, that you would be with them. Father, I know he has communed with you, that he has made plans for these, this time away. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that his heart is pliable, his heart is flexible, that as you may see fit to change, to alter, to move how you would want to move, that there would be no wrestling but there would be compliance, 
that whichever way that your word, that your Holy Spirit would lead in, guide them, Father, they would respond, yes and amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, that upon his return, he will be a greater man and a greater woman. Father, that they, Lord, would be even better leaders than they have been over the past 28 years. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you will strengthen them. You will give to them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that they may run strong in this next leg of ministry. Father, I thank you, Lord, that even while he's on sabbatical, that you will continue to bless this household. Father, that you will uh, prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive him back in September and receive the direction, Lord, that you have shown him, Lord, that we as a congregation we may be prepared for this next uh, journey, this next segment, Lord, that you are calling Pentecostal Tabernacle to. Father, the city of Cambridge needs us to be the church you've called us to be. The region of New England needs us to be the church that you've called us to be. The rest of this world, Lord, that we have been, you've enabled us to reach, Lord, needs us to be the church that you have called us to be. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for being with us. We thank you for being with them. Father, keep them safe, oh God. Send them on their way and bring them back to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bishop Lady Carmen, uh, congratulations. 28 years for you means 27 for me being saved. So uh, it has a little significance to me as well. But as you go on your sabbatical, there are two things that the Lord uh, shared with me that I think are important for you to remember. Um, and I'm gonna share the scripture reference that I have from the thoughts. Proverbs uh, 4.1 My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn judgment for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. That's not a chastisement. Good coaches correct those who they're coaching so that they will improve and be better than where they are. Uh, on this sabbatical, you will be given an opportunity to lay down being the bishop 
in the First Lady. You will be given an opportunity to forget about the pastorate so that the Lord can reaffirm your identity in him so that he can talk to you as daddy and realign some things that you did not get to do during the pandemic, especially when you lost your dad. You will be able to not worry. And this is really important because leaders like yourselves, leaders like us who you've groomed in some ways, we're concerned when we're not around. But what the Lord shared with me is when he delivered the folks out of Egypt and he went to the mountain and had Moses come to the mountain. Moses was completely enveloped in his time with the Lord. It was the Lord that told him, you need to go back down there because those folks are acting up, right? So unless the Lord tells you we're acting up and I'm pretty sure Uh, I, I, I don't think you're coming back to any golden calves. I think you'll be, I think, I think we'll be a little bit better than that. So be enveloped in your time with the Lord. Don't make it about all business. Let there be father, son, father, daughter time. In Jesus' name. It's truly a great privilege to stand here today. Um, when I came to this church, I arrived here wanting to stay in the background because I had been in leadership before and I was not very happy and I decided I just want to go to church and just, you know, be a worshiper and not get involved in leadership. And you singled me out. And I, I tried to buck it a little bit, and you know, you kept saying, when are you gonna make a decision? And the Lord pointed me out to you, and I really believe that my life has been changed and transformed uh, into a person who I feel like, you know, I cannot work under leadership that I can't emulate. And I feel that's the case here, which is why I'm really honored to serve under you and I'll to say this publicly today. Thank you so much, Bishop. Um, because I've heard the saying that everything rises and falls on leadership and you're a good leader. You are a good man. And the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And now that he's allowing you to leave, because often in life, uh, significant things can only happen when we leave the mundane, when we leave what we're used to, when we leave comfort when the Lord calls us to wilderness or to someplace else. All the great leaders do that. And so I'm excited for him taking you away for a bit to really, really, really get deep and profound with you so that you can be even a, lot, a better leader than you have been to us. So I just want to thank God and bless you and Elder Lady Carmen. You, you both work as a team together, and I'm just really so grateful that um, God drew me here and also to serve under your leadership. God bless you, sir. Pastor Brian, Lady Carmen, let me pray for you, if I could. 
Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this man and woman of God. I thank you for the example they've been to me and to my wife, to my family, and to our church community. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done in their hearts and in their lives to make them the, men, the people of God that they are. I thank you, Lord, for having kept them, kept them in their integrity, God, kept them from sin, kept them from uh, uh, bringing shame to the gospel, bringing shame to the church. I thank you, Lord God, for the faithfulness to the work of God, their love for the work of God, their love for God's people. They're exalting Jesus in what they do and what they say. I thank you, Lord, for this example amongst us, God. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to worry about the finances of the church being squandered, uh, that we don't have to worry about their personal uh, integrity, God, because we know them, we know their reputation, we know the way they live. And Father, now as, as they go off for a few days, I pray, Lord God, that you would refresh them. Lord, that you would recharge them. And Lord, that you would restore them. And God, as they go, in a sense, as they, as they go up to the mountain to seek your face, aside from the burdens of the church, I pray, God, that as they, as they turn their hearts and their faces toward you in a new way, Lord, that you would reveal to them your thoughts, your plans, not only for them individually and as a couple and as a family, but Lord, selfishly, I pray, God, that you reveal to them your desires for the church. Lord, if they hear from you, Lord, we, we will be blessed. Lord, if they receive from you, Lord, we will be strengthened. So, Father, I pray, God, that you would speak to Pastor Brian and Lady Carmen, that you would speak to their hearts. Lord, that you reveal yourself to them. God, that they would know the mind of God in a new way, God. Not that your mind has changed, but that you would reveal more of yourself to their hearts. And God, not only reveal yourself, but empower them to bring that vision to reality, God. So, Lord, I just uh, pray with my brothers and sisters here, God, that you would bless Pastor Brian, Lady Carmen. Lord, that they would find a new grace during this time away. Lord, that they would draw, as they draw close to you, they would find you very near, very near to their hearts, very near to their thoughts. And, Lord, that they would come back to us, Lord, uh, glowing, having been in the presence of God. And Lord, not only will their own lives and the lives of their daughters be blessed, but the lives, God, of us, the church family, because of what you've done in their hearts and lives. So bless them, Lord. Speak to them, God. Strengthen them, God, I ask. And Lord, we'll be quick to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now you may stand, I'm going to give the closing blessing and immediately after uh, there is a reception downstairs so uh, please uh, go downstairs and uh, enjoy. Please extend your hands to receive the blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. Look after you, shield you, 
defend you and take care of you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Grin, beam, show his pleasure on you. And may the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, and side with you as you side with him. Finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his harmony, and protect you from anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, be blessed. And all God's people say, amen. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you, and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.